Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. From Decrypt Media, this is the Decrypt Daily, and my name is Matthew Diemer. Today on the show, we talk to Aragon and their new voting platform, Vogdani. We talk to co-founder of Decrypt, Matt Hussey, about philanthropy using crypto, and we have headlines. That's coming up today on the Decrypt Daily. What's up, everybody? Today is Tuesday, June 1st, 2021, the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa Massacre. And I just want to say that if you learned about the Tulsa Massacre in the past couple years, and it was from a TV show, that's part of the problem. The fact is, is we need to learn all of American history, all the nuts and bolts of American history, the good, bad, the ugly, the beautiful, in order to make sure that we understand completely the journey that America is taking and to make sure that we do not make the same mistakes over again. To think that something like the Tulsa Massacre could happen again is almost unbelievable, unthinkable. I don't know if it could actually happen, but if we don't know about our history, then we run the risk of it repeating itself. Maybe it's also inevitable. But I choose to believe that by education, by understanding, and by internalizing our history, we have a better chance that that history never repeats itself. Now, to those crypto prices. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. And I'm recording this at 10.55 Eastern Standard Time. Bitcoin is sitting at $36,600, down 0.3 in 24, while Ethereum is at $2,584, up 1.5%. Tether in the number three spot, Cardano, $1.71, up 4.2%. And Binance Coin in the number five spot at $351.82, up 3.3%. Rounding off the top 10, we have XRP, Dogecoin, USDC, Polkadot, and Uniswap. Total market cap for the crypto space, we're up around $70 billion from last time we reported on it at $1.64 trillion and a BTC dominance of 42.4%. In our first conversation today, we talked to the co-founder of Decrypt, Matt Hussey, to talk philanthropy using crypto. Good to see you, Matt. Good to see you. Wait, you wrote a, a very interesting article. Your thesis statement here is that how crypto disrupted the philanthropy industry. And I think this is super interesting, especially since we know that Vitalik Buterin was given billions of dollars to India and their um, COVID relief funds, as well as lots of other money. And a lot of these DeFi companies or companies, these new, I guess, meme coins or crap coins or whatever you want to call it, are actually using these high profile people and give them like uh, coins to burn. And some of them are just going, hey, I got a lot of money right now i'm gonna do what i want with it first of all can you tell me about the philanthropy economy that you're writing about here and then how it's being redesigned for sure so the 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 philanthropy economy or the giving economy let's call it that is essentially the kind of business of giving right so we all we all know charities we all see them whether it's online or when we go into towns or cities to see people trying to raise money um, there's been a kind of established way of doing that for a really long time, and it often involves lots of different people, lots of different groups, lots of different charities moving money between each other, the costs associated with all of that, uh, and some of the kind of, as a result of some of that, sometimes you get things going wrong, sometimes you get controversy, sometimes charities aren't quite as nice and fuzzy and cuddly as we think they are. So 
what's been happening is crypto, good old crypto, uh, has been quietly moving into the kind of the giving space and changing things around and completely disrupting it because, well, for a start, because in crypto, you can move money seamlessly, right? You don't have to go to a middleman to move money from one country to another. You don't have to use credit agencies. You don't have to use any of that kind of stuff. If you want to send some money to somebody in crypto, all you need is an address and away you go. Let's talk about the recipients of this money. Like, how are they benefiting from this money? And how is it changing the way that they, I guess, take, use and um, allocate the funds? For sure. So we've got a couple of things going on. Uh, we've got things where people are uh, giving to companies that kind of vet charities. So or, or using these companies that vet charities to um, to basically sum up or, or work out what the best way or the best charity to give to. Right. And these companies will go in and sort of apply these kind of metrics on like, hey, this is this is how good this charity is at getting the money that it raises to the people who need it most. So they, so basically the, the, the Vitalik story, uh, which he gave to a charity called GiveWell, is run by an Indian tech entrepreneur who moved into this space and wanted to do build a company that basically goes, hey, here are the top 10 like most efficient or most transparent charities to give your money to so you know the money you're going to give them to give to them will help. Then you've got other companies that kind of use the kind of cryptocurrency mantra of i can give direct to you and i don't have to have anyone's permission i don't have to have a bank to go okay i okay it um that's been really popular with people like jack dorsey and elon musk who have used um charities like give directly which is basically uh, a medium whereby like you know jack dorsey puts a million dollars into give directly and it just means it gets wired through directly to people on the ground for them to spend it on whatever they wish, right? This is in a few places in Africa where this is mainly focused on a few mm. countries there. So Jack Dorsey's money literally goes straight through the system and then into the crypto wallet of, of a person in the country who is in need of that cash and then they can use that currency to spend on goods and services as they see fit. How does this disrupt, say, the, I guess, traditional um, philanthropy companies i don't want to call them companies or institutions or organizations like the red cross or so on and so forth for sure so what you have to understand about uh, a charity is like any company it has overheads it has costs it has to try and attract like the top talent um so there's been a number of of sort of stories that have come out recently um, that have shown that like some big charities uh, were paying their exec teams hundreds of thousands of pounds, uh, which for people who are giving to those charities can kind of feel a little bit not nice, right? So I, I want my money to go to people on the ground. I don't want my money to go to the pockets of some guy who flies around the world telling everyone what a great job they're doing. So that's one way. Then, then the other way is, is basically the trust that gets put into how a charity allocates that money. Right. So you give to Oxfam, for example, you give the money, you have no insight or no say on how they spend that money. What we're seeing now is is a few companies specific, like specifically in our industry that basically go, we will give you full transparency on where the money goes. You can watch it flow through the kind of like monetary system as it moves into these areas that need it the most. Uh, and, it, and some go even further than that. Some allow people to basically vet whether the money that they have given was spent appropriately, um, which is kind of a whole different way of working as charities kind of act in 
your best interest, whereas these projects are going, no, you get to decide where the money goes. My last question for you, and I thought this is very interesting because you know, if you're giving if you're giving crypto to charity, you of course are trying to give directly. It's you have an address, you take your mm-hmm. crypto, you send it down there, or you can send it to a distrib- distribution a company or nonprofit that will make sure that your money is allocated to what you you want it to go. But you have an interesting. Uh, part of this article in here that's that's about WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange and how he accumulated one million dollars worth of crypto, and and basically this is a, a way to give to him and his cause and charity or, or so on and so forth, so forth. However, if you don't have an on or off ramp for the crypto and Bitcoin or that cryptocurrency that you give to the person is not tradable or, or, or liquid in a way that you can use it for goods or services, is it really a useful way to fund? a charity or an ideology or something you believe in? It's a great question. So you're exactly right. So so crypto doesn't exist in a bubble. And as to the best of my knowledge, you can't buy um, building materials for schools uh, to build you know, in across the world. And you can't build, use crypto to buy water wells. And you can't use crypto to you know, buy grain stores, right? So there's always friction with crypto whenever it meets the, the real world. Um, in the case of Julian Assange, all the big banks basically clubbed together as well as like MasterCard and Visa and said, we will block any transmission <laughs> of cash to Julian Assange, right? Because right. we don't believe, we don't agree with him, we don't like him. So then that led to this whole crypto boom where basically a wallet that was alleged to be attached to Julian Assange was posted online and people just filled it with crypto. Um, so there's kind of good friction and bad friction, right? So crypto can be good friction in the sense that it allows people to send money to courses that they believe in, even if their banks don't. And there's bad friction where the, whereby the charities may have these like you know huge you know wallets full of cash. So a lot of charities now accept crypto directly. So Red Cross, UNICEF, Greenpeace all allow donors to send that crypto directly, but they still have to convert it out, right? So they're still going to have to go to an exchange or some other kind of medium to convert that cash out, and there'll be fees attached to that. The argument there is that the fees for swapping that for cash would be far less than it would cost to send you know, your $10 from the USA to a bank account on the ground in Africa that would have to travel through other banks in a chain and, it, and there'd have to be fees attached each time it jumps into another bank. So it's sort of like, it's not perfect than the current system, it's just a bit better. But long story short is if they want to, or somebody, a bank, a country, an organization, a government, or one side of a government or a political movement in a country wants to stop the flow of cash, if you're using cryptocurrency, all they have to do is stop your on-ramp or off-ramp and you're pretty much tied up. Correct. Exactly. Yeah. Or you know, if, if whatever business you're working in, if the infrastructure around you suddenly allows you to buy things directly in crypto, then what a different world we might live in. 100% Matt Hussey, co-founder of Decrypt. And you have another title, which I don't think is big as co-founder, but commercial lead. Thank you for coming on the show and talking about this emerging new use case for cryptocurrency. No problems, Matt. Good to chat. One of my favorite use cases for blockchain technology is voting on the blockchain. Back in 2016, 17, everybody said it couldn't be done. It's a bad use case. But now we see more and more platforms being rolled out that are doing just that, voting on the blockchain. And here to talk about their new platform, Voting on the Blockchain, is Luis Quinde, co-founder of Aragon, and he's going to talk about Vakdani. Yeah, excited to be here. 100%. Hey, today we're talking about voting on the blockchain and your new platform, Vakdani. 
Let me know what is it, sir. Yeah, it's a fully fledged platform for uh, digital voting powered by blockchain. So basically, uh, these guys are trying to figure out a very interesting voting mechanism that allows uh, for it to be off chain, so fully scalable and anonymous, which is like kind of like the holy grail that everyone is kind of like working towards. And also uh, for its votes to have like um, on-chain execution. So you can actually like move funds and, and do stuff on-chain. You said something that I thought was very interesting, anonymous. How do you make sure that somebody should be voting, is voting, if it's anonymous? They use this very interesting technology called CK Snarks, uh, which have been around for a while, but like real research and real experimentation for the started very recently. Um, and for me, it's like a, a bit of a black box, but you can basically vote uh, and prove you have voted without actually revealing your vote. The kind of like vote you casted and your identity. Um, so yeah, it's, it's quite mind-blowing. You know, I always thought about, you know, voting for you know a larger thing, like, you know, federal governments or whatever, voting on the blockchain. You know, the one thing that I always thought was really interesting is that you could, if you vote on the blockchain, you would want to make sure that you can audit it to say, say that I voted for this person, that vote was counted. How would, how would that work, say, in an anonymous yet, uh, yet transparent way of looking at your votes? Yeah, so that's a very interesting thing. So basically, um, you can count, uh, you can tally the votes on chain and make sure that all the votes are there and have been accounted for without actually being able to discern the individual result. And I, as a voter, I can completely, uh, like, under my discretion, I can, uh, like, open up my vote result and I can say, okay, I voted yes, and I can prove it, but I have to, do, to be the one doing it. Like, others can prove that I have voted yes or no. Others can just kind of, like, tally the, the whole count and make sure that everything is there and it hasn't been, like, tampered with, but they cannot, like, know, like, what is my political preference, for example. I, on your website, you have a couple of different uh, use cases for this platform. City councils, cooperatives, companies, grass movements, and associations. How do you figure that this would work for, say, companies or um, corporations? How would they use this voting on the blockchain? Yeah, actually, it's, it's very interesting. Like, um, so Bob Donny uh, became part of the Aryan family uh, pretty recently, and their mindset was very, very different. Like, their mindset came from the, the kind of like Catalonian um, elections and everything that happened with like the independence of Catalonia and stuff like that. And their mindset was more like, okay, how do we get this technology in the hands of people now? Like, not only to crypto people, but also like, how do we get this to like, you know, like my uncle who wants to like vote uh, on, on this topic or on this very sensitive, important topic for, for, you know, my family and, and stuff like that. And so they are much more kind of like trying to get this into the hands of like mainstream users. Um, and so this is very interesting because for Aragon, um, it also became important to suddenly not only target DAOs and target kind of like crypto native organizations, but also target these like associations and institutions that have like hundreds of thousands of users and suddenly they're going to start using this technology. Um, so it's very interesting because for, for many of them, it's very important to involve their stakeholders in a way that is uh, credible and Bogdan allows them to do so. You know, when, I, when I'm looking at voting, uh, like, do, do you really need voting on the blockchain when it comes to like sort of things like companies or these city councils or associations? I understand that there's benefit to it. And, and it's like, if the technology exists, why not use it if it's better? Uh, but do they really need to? Yeah, sometimes we admit too. Like I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of certain like nation states where um, there are certain doubts about the validity of their elections, um, and like you know, the election results come out, and everyone is surprised, and it's like some some countries in the in the in the east that have uh, certain dictatorial regimes uh, in which everyone has been winning, uh, some some person has been winning for the last twenty years, um, and all the all the elections are like. 90% uh, for this person and everyone is like, okay, this is guy completely tampered with. Um, and mm -hmm. so for those cases, it completely makes sense. For like companies or corporations, it kind of depends. Like if you have some of the um, some of the target users that Bogdani is like talking, uh, talking with, they have like hundreds of thousands of members and kind of like very high stakes. So um, for them, like, you know, if they can use 
a centralized uh, solution that is easy to tamper with versus one that is decentralized and impossible to tamper with, and the cost is similar, they will probably go with the decentralized one. And when it comes to Vagdani, right, do, does Vagdani control anything when it comes to the blockchain or the votes itself? That meaning that even though the Vagdani is making this and making it accessible to these organizations, is there any way for them to tamper with it? Not really, and that is the, the interesting part. Like previously, for example... Not, not like really or no? No, as in, as in no. Yeah, like before there were like these kind of like voting aggregators when it comes to off-chain votes, which like get all the votes on like their server and then like they can count them and settle them on chain. Um, Bogdani was like, okay, this is not good enough. We're going to like fully decentralize this as well. So, yeah. Do you, again, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, companies with big, bigger companies of hundreds of thousands of people. Do you think this is scalable to something, say, the size of the United States with 300 million, well, actually not 300 million, with 150 million voters? I will have to check the, the numbers, uh, but if I remember correctly, like their, their numbers in terms of like votes per second were quite good. So, so I would say we can totally do elections on it. Like actually the, the first use case that they thought about were, were elections, like national elections. So, yeah. Right on. Excellent. Well, where, where, and final question, where is the first places that Vakdani is being used or will be used and how will they be used? Yeah, so, so there is this um, cultural association, uh, like very, very famous worldwide, and especially in Catalonia called Omnion. Um, they have, I think, north of 250,000 um, members worldwide, and they have already been using Bogdanis technology to, to vote on their general uh, assemblies. Oh, cool. Really cool. Luis Quinde. Co-founder of Aragon, thanks for coming on the show, talking about Vaktani. You know, you know, voting on the blockchain is actually one of my favorite use cases for blockchain. Uh, back in 2017, 18, everybody, a lot of people said that it wasn't practical, it wouldn't work. And I called bullshit on it. And I just would love to see this in more hands of governments and companies to have uh, more security in voting and transparency as well. So thank you very much for working on this. Thanks a lot. It's happening. Moving into today's headlines. If you guys remember yesterday, I told you about Starling, the UK digital bank that has temporarily barred its customers from depositing money to cryptocurrency exchanges over concerns of criminal activity. Well, today they said, hey, that's only temporary. And we're going to lift those restrictions on June 21st so you can deposit your cash to cryptocurrency exchanges. And this is after testing a new financial crime prevention system. So, UK, at least with the Starling Bank, you're back in action. Coinbase is making big moves. Because it announced on Tuesday that users of its debit card offering known as Coinbase Card can now pay with their mobile phones using Apple Pay. This news, this news marks a new level of integration between two major U.S. brands and reflects crypto's ongoing push to the mainstream of retail commerce. So how Coinbase's card used is basically it's a debit card from Coinbase and it allows people to use their Bitcoin balances on Coinbase through just normal payment systems and withdraw from ATM machines. Now, this product has been available in UK and Europe since last year, and the US customers have been remaining on a waitlist. But Coinbase said they're going to start removing US customers from the waitlist, allowing them to use the Coinbase card. And this is going to start this week. So, Coinbase, Bitcoin, Apple Pay. You know, the interesting thing here is, is that Apple never really had to say, I'm going to start getting into Bitcoin and allow people to use Bitcoin. They're going to just going to team or allow Coinbase to use their products, which is super interesting. It's like passive support of Bitcoin. So can we just say Apple supports Bitcoin? Are they going to come out hodling? Hmm, let's see. And finally, were you worrying about the India FUD? Were you worried about the India ban of cryptocurrency? Well, let's just look at this timeline real quick. On April 
of 2018. The Federal Reserve Bank of India said that banks could not deal with any individual or business entities dealing with or selling virtual currencies. In March of 2019, the Indian Supreme Court ruled that the central bank circular carried no weight and that banks could transact with crypto companies if they so wished. And now in 2020 and 2021, people are saying, crypto ban, crypto ban. Well, the Reserve Bank of India said, hey, remember, the Supreme Court already told you about this. You're, you're good. They said that you can transact with crypto companies if you wished. The fact is, are major banks going to transact with crypto companies now that everybody looks back at the Supreme Court ruling and goes, hey, we already talked about this. This is not up for debate anymore. Will major banks work with crypto companies, crypto exchanges, or will they remain stuck in the mud? Sakhil Sharish, founder of crypto trading simulator Superstocks, told Decrypt that bank policies have already hurt the industry. Even employee bank accounts were frozen for receiving salaries from a crypto exchange. However, on the flip side, WazirX, who you heard on the show before, it's India Cryptocurrency Exchange, their token is up 43% following the update in India. So, do you want my shoot from the hip opinion? Well, here's what's going to happen. In the next couple months, maybe even sooner, you're going to see one bank take the step. It's going to be a big bank, you're going to see a big crypto exchange team up with that bank, and you're going to see them saying, hey, we see the customers wanting this product. We can make a lot of money with this product. Shareholders, you're going to be happy. Customers, you're going to be happy. Crypto exchanges, you're going to be happy. And once that bank does it, everybody's going to watch to see what happens. They're going to see what the Parliament does. They're going to see what the Supreme Court does. They're going to see what the Reserve Bank of India does. And they're going to sit back and watch. And if nobody does anything, they're going to go, coast is clear. And then everybody is going to rush in. I give it two weeks. You're going to see that first step. And then you're going to see the rush in India. And we might have that rush before the end of summer. And if we have that rush before the end of summer, whoo-hoo, choo-choo, bull run back in action. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Decrypt Daily. Don't forget it. Deemer for Congress takes crypto. That's D-I-E-M-E-R for Congress.com. We take crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Stablecoins, Dogecoin. We take it all. Donate to a noble cause of getting people to Congress that are Bitcoin advocates, blockchain advocates, So when Congress comes and says, hey, why don't we try to ban that coin? Or why don't we try to make a stupid regulation? You have enough people in Congress going, yeah, nah, 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 that's probably not a good idea. It's important to have that voice, that representation in Congress. And until tomorrow, happy hodling, everyone.